Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Good morning, TWCC family. I trust and I hope that you guys are doing well. I've been praying for you guys this week, and I hope that you're staying strong and encouraged in the Lord. Uh, during this season, uh, I'm reminded truly of how fragile man really is. I don't care how fast you can run. I don't care how high you can jump. I don't care how much you can bench press. You are fragile. You are clay. You are particles of dust that God has perfectly formed together. And if we touch the wrong thing and put our hands to our mouth, if we inhale the wrong thing during this season, our bodies shut down and die. Wow. As I was thinking about how fragile man truly is, it makes me think again about why we boast so much in tomorrow. We are so much more fragile than we think. We are but a vapor, the Bible says. We appear for a little while and then we vanish away. James 4 and verse 14. Psalm 103 and verse 15 says this, As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. Job 14 and verse 2 says this, speaking of men, He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25 says this, All flesh is as grass. All flesh is as grass and the glory of men as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Today, as our outward man is perishing, I remind you that the inward man is being renewed day by day. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses 16 through 18, be encouraged in this. It says this, therefore we do not lose heart. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Selah. Ponder, meditate upon that for a moment. Our affliction is but for a time, but we don't focus on the things which are seen, but, are the, but on the things which are unseen. With that being said, let's jump back into the book of Psalms and learn from the eternal word of God. This is by far the most popular psalm to ever be written. It is the most quoted, the most memorized, and probably the most used in order to bring comfort. It is the ever so popular Psalm 23, which we began to read last week. And today we're going to focus on verse 3 alone. 
But let's read the chapter again. Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. It comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Ye though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff it comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that your word in Proverbs 25 and verse 11 says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And Father, I pray today Lord, as we hear your word, as I speak your word, I pray that it would be a word fitly spoken. I pray, Lord, that the hearers would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying specifically to them during this season and during this time. Father, I thank you for our church family, that even though we're unable to gather together in person, that we have an opportunity due to the times to be able to gather virtually, to be able to record messages, to record your word and to send it out. Father, we thank you for that privilege. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we get quiet before you, I pray, Lord, that our minds would focus on nothing else this morning, on nothing else but you, on nothing else but your word. We love your word, we embrace your word, and we say, speak Holy Spirit through your word. We thank you for Psalm 23. We thank you for David, the writer. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. 
We thank you that this is the word of life, that it is the word of truth. And thank you that we can find great comfort within your word. We love it, we embrace it, and we thank you for being with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 23. It is an absolute honor and a privilege to speak to you about and to teach you from the most loved psalm of the Bible, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is even more special than you thought. Psalm 23 is nothing shy of a masterpiece. But here's the problem. Do you know that one of the greatest enemies of honor is familiarity. One of the greatest enemies of honor is familiarity. The more familiar you are with a thing, the more common it becomes to you. And therefore, the less value and honor and respect you end up bestowing upon that thing. That was true of Jesus, when everywhere he went, he was performing miracles, signs and wonders and was teaching and the people were receiving his message in so many places. But then in Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 58, we find Jesus' teaching in the temple. And the Bible says that he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished at his teachings. But then they caught themselves and they said, hold up. Where did this man get this kind of wisdom? And where did this man get all of these mighty works from? Ain't this Joseph's kid? Mary's boy? Aren't his little brothers uh, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Don't his sisters roll with us? How then is he speaking of these new revelations? And where is he getting all of these mighty works from? And then verse 57 says, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and within his own house. Verse 58 then says, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He did not do many mighty works there because of, of their unbelief. They totally missed out on their blessing because they already thought they knew who Jesus was and they had nothing to gain from him is what they thought. Why? Because I know him already. I already know everything there is to know about Jesus. Their familiarity with him caused them to approach him in a common way, which then removed the blessing from their reach. They were so familiar with Jesus that they viewed him as common, so they were unable to receive the blessing that he had to offer. I pray that you do not approach this psalm this morning in the same manner and in the same way. Do not approach this psalm like you know it already because you don't. I forbid you to approach the psalm in a common fashion. 
honor it. And I guarantee you that it will serve you well and you will reap the benefits and the rewards and the blessings of Psalm chapter 23. It will speak to you like wisdom speaks to those who honor her. So moving on, in Psalm 23, there was no one better qualified to write such a psalm as Psalm 23 than David. No one better qualified to write such a psalm like Psalm 23 than David was, whom the Lord took himself from tending the sheep to being the shepherd of his people. The shepherd boy David realized that he himself had a shepherd. And he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And David also knew him to be the shepherd of shepherds. Side note, he who is faithful in little will also be faithful in much. David loved his sheep and he would have laid down his life for his own sheep. His very life was in danger multiple times as he vowed to protect the sheep within his care. One time the Bible speaks about a bear came against David's sheep and David rose up against the bear and killed that bear. Another time a lion came against David's sheep and David said, not on my watch. And he killed that lion again with his hands. So David protected and he covered his sheep. David was a real shepherd, not a hired shepherd, like the shepherds mentioned in Ezekiel 34 verses 1 through 10, and also Jeremiah 23, 1 through 4, which says this, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So David was not an irresponsible shepherd. He himself was a good shepherd seen by none other than the sovereign king and God himself exalted David to be a king over his people. He was faithful privately, and so God honored him publicly. So, as we continue today, I want you to know this, that David, the writer of Psalm 23, was himself a good shepherd, because he himself was shepherded by the great shepherd. David, the writer of Psalm 23, was himself a good shepherd because he was himself shepherded by the great shepherd. 
So Psalm 23 is a beautiful combination of both the inspired word of God, but also the lived experience and revelation that comes forth from a real life shepherd that was faithful. May the posture of your heart today cry out, teach me, Psalm 23, teach me. May that be the posture of your heart. So as we look at Psalm 23, let me remind you then as we get into the word that it is no longer David the shepherd who is speaking to us, but it is rather David the sheep that's speaking to us. And verse 3, he says this, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores. This means he brings it back. He causes it to return to. He turns it back. That could be back from death, repentance, a turning from evil. And he refreshes and he repairs. He restores he turns it back he brings it back he refreshes and he repairs he restores what exactly does he restore my soul the bible says my soul the soul which he restores here is your mind it is your appetite it is your emotion it is your desire it is your passion in other words, he restores your entire life. He restores your mind, your appetite, your emotion, your desire, your passion. He restores your life. He turns you back to him. He restores my soul. Think about that for a moment. He restores my soul. Isn't it interesting here that a sheep in the care of a good shepherd, in other words, a sheep that belongs, would need restoration? Isn't it interesting that a sheep in the in the care of a good shepherd, in other words, a sheep that belongs, would be in need of restoration. Perhaps it got distracted and shifted its focus onto the circumstances of life and then was quickly overwhelmed by them. Isn't it true then that we too, as believers who belong to the family of God, also sometimes find ourselves in need of restoration? Before we jump in any further, I just want you to relax for a moment and I want you to know that, yes, it is okay for born-again, spirit-filled believers under the care of the great shepherd to be in need of restoration. There is nothing to be ashamed of, and that is one of the benefits of us having a shepherd. So let's stop trying to live as though we do not need a shepherd, 
Let's not stop trying to live as though we don't have or are in need of a shepherd. And why don't we allow him to restore us? Why don't we stop? Why don't we be still? Why don't we be silent? Why don't we get in his presence and allow him to restore us? Because we need him. Remember, he is not the shepherd of the world. He is only the shepherd of his flock. And his flock only consists of those who recognize that they themselves need a shepherd. Jesus said in Matthew 9 and verse 12, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So let him shepherd you. Let him shepherd you. David, a man after God's own heart and the one who wrote Psalm 23, the one who wrote, the Lord restores my soul. He restores my soul. He was always open with God about his sin and his weaknesses and his feelings. But in Psalm 42 and verse 11, the same writer of Psalm 23, he writes this. He cries out, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And then he says, put your trust in God, for I shall yet praise him. Now, Philip Keller, in his book entitled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he says there is an exact parallel to Psalm 42 and verse 11 in regards to caring for sheep. This is what he says in his book, and I'm going to read it to you. Only those intimately acquainted with sheep and their habits understand the significance of a cast sheep or a cast down sheep. This is an old English shepherd's term for a sheep that has been turned over on its back and cannot get up again by itself. A cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flays away frantically struggling to stand up without success. Sometimes it will bleat a little for help, but generally it lies there lashing about in frightened frustration. If the owner does not arrive or if the shepherd does not arrive on the scene within a reasonably short time, the sheep will die. This is but another reason why it is so essential for a careful sheepman to look over his flock every day, counting them to see that all are able to be up and on their feet. If one or two are missing, often the, the first thought to flash into the shepherd's mind is, one of my sheep is cast somewhere. I must go in search and set it on its feet again. Wow, interesting. He restores my soul. Just like a cast down sheep 
cannot put itself back on its own feet. How pitiful. A sheep is also utterly incapable of cleansing itself. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. A sheep is utterly incapable of cleansing or cleaning itself. Animals like cats and dogs can easily clean themselves and or each other by licking their fur and doing whatever else they do. But it is not so for sheep. In my study of sheep, I learned that everything clings to the wall. It is like a, a filth magnet. Everything clings to it. Everything attaches itself to the wall, especially around the backside. Shepherds call it the dags. It's the dried feces left dangling from the wall on a sheep's rear end. All the sheep droppings cling to the sheep's backside, dirt and vegetation, and a host of parasites love to make their homes back there as well. And the outcome is this, if not attended to, is that sickness, infections, and skin conditions develop quickly if the sheep is left to itself. They cannot restore themselves. The shepherd must do it. Selah, ponder, pause. They cannot restore themselves. The shepherd must do it. He is the one who does the work of restoration. He is the one who restores him and him alone. They are utterly helpless without the shepherd, just like you are. Just like you. You live out and among the world as God has called us to live in the world yet to not be of the world. And as we live in the world, this is true, our souls can easily be infected by the filth that this world has to offer. It is very difficult to navigate in this world in 2020 without our souls being influenced by everything or something that is bombarding it. Listen, with everything that bombards us, the chances that something will stick to our souls every now and again that is toxic and that has the power to derail us spiritually or has the power to weaken our faith or has the power to cause us to be afraid is very true. But if our souls get downtrodden, if our souls get downcast, if our souls are cast down by the calamities of life, or if we allow unclean things to cling to our souls, He and He alone can restore the weary soul. He and He alone has the power to restore your weary soul. Hear me. The spiritual shepherd is more patient than the natural shepherd. The restoring process of the sheep is not a one-time event. 
and the shepherd continually restores the sheep. So if the natural shepherd can continually do that for an actual sheep, man, how much more will the spiritual shepherd continually restore the souls of the people whom he bled and died for? It is in a greater manner that the good shepherd, that the great shepherd continually restores our soul. First John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins before him, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice that he does two things here. He forgives and he cleanses. He forgives and he cleanses. He forgives and he restores. He refreshes. Allow for the process, I would say, of restoration through the changing and the renewal of your mind. So many people with 1 John 1, 9, they, they believe in the forgiveness of sins. And they allow themselves to be forgiven by him. But how many people neglect the second part, which is the renewal part, which is the cleansing part, which is the restoration part. First John 1 John 1.9 is not only about the forgiveness of sins, my friends. That's not the only thing he does, but he also cleanses. He also restores. But so many times we don't give him the time to allow him to do that. We believe in the forgiveness and we receive the forgiveness and then we run out of his presence saying that we are forgiven without ever allowing ourselves to be cleansed. And then we find ourselves in the same cycle of sin and repentance and failure and falling in sin and repentance and failure and falling in sin and repentance. And we find ourselves in this cycle because we never allow him to cleanse us and to restore us. So I say to you this morning to allow for the process of restoration through the changing and the renewal of your mind. Restoration is about renewal. Go through the process of renewal by being washed with the word. Come under the authority of the word and allow it to alter your way of thinking. If you believe exactly the same way that you believed 10 years ago, then something is wrong. Your mind is not being restored or renewed with God's word. Listen, your mind must be renewed and your mind is renewed. Wait for it. Your mind is renewed and it's only renewed through God's word. And when your mind is renewed, listen to this. 
when your mind is renewed, it eventually changes. When your mind is renewed and it goes through the process of renewal, it eventually changes. And I know us men, we hate to change our minds. The women are totally cool with their minds being renewed. They take great uh, pleasure in changing their minds, but we hate for our minds to change. And that's what happens when your mind is being renewed. It is changing. But listen, if your mind is changing, then that also means that what you believed about a thing maybe 10 years ago is not what you believe about that thing today. So allow your mind to be renewed and allow it to go through that process. Lying down in green pastures, which we read and went over last week, lying down in green pastures in verse 2, lying down in green pastures and being by the still waters precedes restoration. I'm going to say that again, lying down in green pastures and being by the still waters precedes restoration. The green pastures is a type of the word. That's what we feed upon. The still waters is a type of the Holy Spirit. It is where we hear the voice of the Spirit best. So let both the word and the Spirit minister to you together. We believe at the Way City Church in the value and the importance of both the Word and the Spirit. Your spiritual life is incomplete if you do not have the same amount of reverence for the Spirit as you do for the Word. Jesus is the Word that we feed upon and the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is the Spirit of spirits. He is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of life. And you cannot exalt one above the other. Your spiritual diet, again, is unbalanced if you honor and exalt the Word while neglecting the moving and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. A healthy diet must both include protein and vegetables. You cannot eat proteins and you cannot only eat vegetables. You cannot only eat proteins and you cannot only eat vegetables. You must eat both. You must partake of and respect what each one brings to the table. And they work perfectly together in order to make sure that you have a healthy body. It is the same thing, spiritually speaking, the Word and the Spirit working together to make sure that you have a healthy spiritual life. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Moving on. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. 
It is because he leads me that I shall not want, in verse 1. It is because he leads me that I shall not want. How do I live without want? How do I live without want? By following him, being led in the paths of righteousness. Matthew 6 and verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. All these other things shall be added unto you. He leads me in the paths of righteousness and it's because of him leading me that I shall not want. He leads me primarily by his word. Let's start there. When we're speaking about being led, he leads me primarily by his word. Let's start there. Psalm 119 and verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And if you have no chapter and verse, then you seek the guidance of the Spirit. But His Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So He leads me primarily with His Word. That is where we start and that is where we begin. And again, if you have no chapter and verse, then you seek the guidance of the Spirit. That is what you seek. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Sheep are notorious creatures of habit, just like you and I. Sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will walk the same old trails as before until they become ruts. They will graze the same hills until they turn to desert wastes. They will pollute their own ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. There is a way that seems so right to a man, but its end leads to death and destruction. If you lead yourself, you will die before your time. If he leads you, he leads you on the right paths. Is it possible for you as a believer to end up someplace where you are not supposed to be? Absolutely. Is it possible for you as a believer to do something that you are not supposed to do? Absolutely. If you want to remain in the will of God, you can only do so if you allow him to lead you and where he's leading you is on the right paths. The will of God is not automatic for your life. And finally, what he does in leading me in the paths of righteousness, he does for his name's sake. What he does for leading me in the paths of righteousness, he does for his name's sake, for his name's sake he does it the hebrew words here can be translated as he does this for the sake of his reputation for his fame and for his glory 
He takes care of us for his fame. He takes care of us for the sake of his glory. And the truth is this, that he is faithful to us, even when we are unfaithful to him. He is faithful to us for his name's sake. And none can snatch us out of his mighty hands. And I want you to take great comfort in that today, that he is the one who does the work of restoration. He turns you back to him. He restores your soul. He leads you on the right paths in paths of righteousness. And all that he does, he does for his name's sake, for the glory of his name. He is faithful to the sheep. He is faithful to you and I, even when we are unfaithful to him. And this is the amazing, good and powerful God that we serve. We have nothing to do other than worship him and surrender our lives to him. We, like sheep, have gone astray. But Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, came down to earth to seek and to save that which was lost, which was you and I, and man did he seek us, and man did he find us. And his desire is to save you today. If you acknowledge that you are lost, if you acknowledge that you are in need of a shepherd, that you cannot lead yourself, that every time where when you wander, you find yourself on the wrong paths, then I say today to give your life, into the arms of a good shepherd who loves and cares for you. You will lead yourself to death and destruction and that is the wages of sin. That is the cost, that is the prize, that is the reward for your waywardness. It is death and destruction. But Christ died for your sin. He took your place. He was the lamb that was slaughtered, the perfect lamb that died in your place so that you wouldn't have to. And he said, if you believe in him, if you call upon him, if you trust in him, he will save you. I encourage you to do that today. Father, we love you. We bless you. We praise you. Father, I thank you for the Way City Church. I thank you for Psalm chapter 23 and verse 3. Thank you, Lord, for our time together. Thank you for speaking to us and for ministering to us through your word. I pray, Lord, that no one um, uh, left today, Father, uh, in the same way, Lord, that they came. I pray, Lord, that the word uh, transformed and encouraged, Lord, and, and restored uh, weary souls today. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.